All right, Luke 12. Um, so this whole summer, we've been talking about how to live intentional lives. And so we want to talk about how to live intentionally with our finances this morning. And uh, we're going to be in, in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Uh, Jesus says a ton of stuff about money, right? Like he talks about that more than just about anything else. He talks all the time about money because he knows it's, it's an issue for us. It's something we, we need to be reminded of. Um, and so I'm not going to be able to hit like every aspect of money, but I want to talk about why we should be intentional with money and how we are intentional with money. Uh, and I'm going to bounce around a little bit throughout Luke chapter 12 because there's three teachings and parables here. Um, that Jesus gives that I think give clarity to what he's trying to say about money. So he's going to give a parable where we're going to spend most of our time about a rich dude. Then he's going to talk about why we shouldn't worry and um, then about money. And then he's going to talk about this idea of another parable of a, a owner of a home and a master and understanding that we are simply stewards and not owners. And that all is going to affect how we understand money. Okay, so let's read Luke chapter 12 verse 13. This parable here. Someone in the crowd said to him, that said to Jesus, Teacher, hey, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, or the word means greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. All right, some really interesting things that Jesus says and is pointing out here uh, as he's teaching uh, about money. Now, sometimes when we start talking about money, uh, it, it can come across like if you've got money, that's bad. Money is not a bad thing. Money is actually pretty, pretty neutral. Money can be used for good stuff. Or it could be used for bad stuff. Money isn't the problem. And in fact, actually, it's in First, uh, I think it's First Timothy chapter 6, where it says that it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the matter and the issue of the heart that really affects the issue with money. Even later on in Luke chapter 12, down, if you skip down to verse 34... Uh, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I, I do think money is an incredible indicator of where our heart at is, where our heart values, what we're pursuing, what we're loving, what we're loving predominantly, what, what we're feeling in our heart and thinking in our heart. Like money is a great indicator of that. You want to know where your heart is, where are you spending your money? So if you think about that for a minute, right? Where are you spending your money and what does that say about your heart and what you're loving? Now, that doesn't, I'm not just talking like on a surface level of like, oh, I spend my money on electronics. That must mean I love electronics. Well, yeah, maybe. But what does it say about the deeper thing? What does it say about the things that we find value and purpose and worth and identity and security and meaning in? I want to ask you a couple questions about money. Does the amount of money you have 
change or affect your mood? Does, when you have what you perceive to be enough money, does that then give you a greater increase of joy and happiness? If you don't feel like you have enough money, does that bring upon worry and anxiety? Here's another question. Does the amount of money you have, does it affect your identity? Does it affect your value? Does it affect your worth? So if you're like, if I just had more money, or just had a better job, just made more things, I had nicer stuff, I had a better car, a better house, then I would feel better about myself. Then other people would think I'm successful. Then they think I'm awesome. Then they would, it would reflect better on me if I simply had more things. Does what we have, does the amount of money that we have, does it affect the way that we uh, value ourselves or we perceive that other people value us? Here's another one. Does the amount of money we have affect our obedience to the Lord? So, if <laughs> do you find yourself saying, Oh yeah, Lord, I, I would love to do that. I just don't have enough money to do it. Or, the flip side, being like, Oh man, Lord, you want me to do what? Yeah, that is going to cost me way too much to do that. Uh, that's way too much to give up. Similar to the rich young ruler when Jesus tells him, you want to follow me? You got to sell your stuff, give to the poor, then come follow me. And he walked away really sad. Why? Be- because he had tons of stuff. The cost was great. Now, if you answer yes to any of these things, it may simply reflect uh, things in our heart that we are pursuing, that we are loving, that we are finding value in above God himself. The Bible calls that idolatry. Now, I don't say that to like, oh, shame you, you bunch of idol worshipers. No, no, no. God exposes these things out of his grace for us. Some of you are so bound up in fear, bound up in worry, bound up in anxiety, bound up in in all this stuff regarding your finances simply because you've made it an idol and you've put so much stock in it to satisfy, to, to deliver you, to provide for you. When God is saying, I have something so much better for you, that is not what you should ultimately put your hope in. Instead, put your hope in me. So God exposes those things in our heart. It's not to guilt us. It's not to shame us. And in fact, it's to bring us freedom and joy and delight. See, I think this guy here, the rich young ruler, I think he was probably finding some of his identity in his finances, right? Man, if I make bigger barns, all of a sudden these people are going to be walking by and be like, dude, those are some big barns, man, right? Where'd you get that, right? He started being perceived as having all this stuff. Jesus gives a strong warning at the beginning of this parable. He says, be on guard, be watchful, be cautious. Meaning, we have to be intentional with this. Be watchful to guard against every kind of greed. And then he goes on to say, listen, that this, this life is not defined by how much stuff that you have, despite what the world says. The world says you are successful by how much stuff that you have. That is not at all what God says. As we'll see in a minute, God actually says his success in his kingdom is based on how much you give, not how much stuff you have. How much, <laughs> how much of the time do we look to money for comfort and for security? I mean, I, I think off the cuff, right, we're like, oh, money, it's cool, it's not a big deal, but I think Honestly, if I look at it for myself, what brings me the most anxiety with money is my fear of running out of it. Which ultimately 
leads to an exposure of my heart that in my heart I don't believe God is who he says he is and I don't believe that God is good enough to provide for me. I think that we can see some insight into this guy's life if we jump down to Luke chapter 12, verse 42. In understanding our role as simply a manager, a steward, and not the owner. This is just a smaller chunk of this teaching that Jesus gives, so we're going to jump down to verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Pause. He's giving a teaching saying there's a manager of a household that the owner has put in charge. And the owner's job, or the steward's job, the manager's job is to tend to the, the household and do what the master, what the owner wants to be done in the household. Verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant, who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what, what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom was given, much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. Th- this parable, Jesus is saying, the steward is placing over the household... But the steward, the manager, doesn't simply get to do whatever he wants, right? If you work a, a, in an industry or a restaurant or a company where there's managers, managers don't get to do whatever the heck they want, right? It's not like if you're working at Taco Bell or McDonald's, right? The man, manager gets to go, you know what? I feel like we should remodel the whole place today. Let's tear it down. Working at McDonald's, let's tear it down. Instead of serving hamburgers today, we're going to serve hot dogs. Oh, wait, that's Burger King. That's a terrible idea, right? But... Um, <laughs> Whatever that may be, they don't get to decide those things. They have to operate in the guidelines of what the owner wants to do. And he said, this guy did it wrong because he forgot that he was not the owner. So therefore, he didn't get to decide whatever the heck he wanted to do, he could do. And he's like, you know what? The owner isn't going to be back for a while. So I'll just go ahead and do whatever I want. I'll just beat the slaves a little bit if they don't do what I want them to do. I'll just get drunk and hammered all the time. We'll just, we'll party like it's 1999 or whatever. And, um... What, you know, all these things. And so his master comes back at a time where he least expects it and he's punished for it because he's saying, I've left you in charge. You've had a job to do, but your job to do is to be a steward, to be a good manager, to, to, to uh, activate in, and live out my will for my possessions and my household. That is the way I think that we are to view our money and our resources. That God has entrusted us with these things. And he says here, too much you have been given, much is expected. That's why I don't think money is a bad thing. Some of you have no money. Some of you have little money. Some of you have like some, a little bit kind of money. Some of you have tons of money. And if you've got a lot of money, yes, you will be held in account for that money. But you have more resources than that you are going to be held in account to say, were you a good steward of those things? But how often, when we approach money, do we act like we're the owner rather than simply the steward? Now, in the church, 
we've done a really good job of spiritualizing this. So, okay, I, I don't think, I always got to be cautious. Some of you have grown up under the teaching of the tithe. Tithe is 10%. It says 10% of your, what you make, you need to give to the Lord. Um, I'm not here to like dog people that do that teaching. I just don't think that we are under the, the, the obligation of the tithe in the new covenant. So I, I think actually if you want to follow the tithe, that's cool. But in the Old Testament, there were three tithes. Two every year and one every third year. So that's 23% of your income. So if you want to tie, that's cool, but it's 23%, not 10. All right? Just, just so you're aware, all right? I got freedom, Lord. I'm free from it, right? But here, here's what we, what we do. We go, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you your 10%. There you go. Now I'm going to do whatever I want with this 90% piece out. And we justify it because we're like, well, I paid you, God. Get off my back, right? I gave you your money. In the new covenant, following Jesus. Jesus said, you want to follow me? You have to give up everything you own. That's not always in a, in a literal sense. That doesn't mean necessarily we have to go always and sell our stuff. Unless Jesus tells you to, then you should do that. However, it is in the posture and position of our heart saying, in my heart, I acknowledge and recognize I no longer have ownership over anything I have, money, possessions, relationships, none of it. It no longer belongs to me. It is ultimately all from the Lord, and I am simply a steward of it, which absolutely changes everything in how I handle money. Because then I'm going, check 10%, there you go. I live a life that's much more in step in a relationship with the Father, because it's like, okay, God, it's all yours. Wow, what a responsibility. Now I get to ask him all the time, what do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to give it out? How, how do you want me to steward this? What, what do you want me to do with it? And it's amazing because it's not just, here's a list of rules, give this money. It draws me back into relationship with the Father, which is what he's ultimately about. He wants a relationship with us that I then get to live out the responsibility of giving out the finances. But we've done a poor job sometimes in the church and guilted you into giving. We've guilted you into tithing. And I think a lot of it comes back to, uh, I don't, I'm not trying to be harsh. My, my temptation sometimes as a pastor is you wonder like, okay, God, will you, will we have enough financially as a church to do what you've asked us to do? So the temptation then is to say, all right, everybody, you got to tithe and you got to tithe by giving your 10% to the church. And if you want to give any more, that's cool, but that has to be above and beyond that 10%. You can go give that to whoever else you want, any other missionary or any other organization. And I think we do that out of fear as a church that God will not provide. And therefore we tell you to do things that I don't think scripture tells us to do. And it's because I don't believe that God will provide what we're going to provide, what he's going to provide. Listen, God doesn't need your money. I, I gotta be careful how I say this too. Moran Park doesn't need your money. 
if you're going to be guilted into it and just do it because you think you're going to earn something from God or you're giving out of a compulsion or obligation. We believe that God is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His kingdom resources are infinite and limitless. He will provide everything that we need in a, as a church, as a family, and as an individual to do what God called us to do. I, I'm not about guilting you into giving any kind of money to Moran Park. And in fact, if God tells you not to and to give to someone else, give to a missionary, I trust that you're hearing correctly from the Lord and that you will walk in obedience and do what God called you to do. Some of you are like, oh dear Lord, how is he saying this? Listen, I want to testify to the goodness of the Lord because if money, we just don't make a big deal about money around here, okay? Because literally, I'm not even kidding you, God has always provided for what we've done. I think all the time. There's been years, right, where Ridgepoint, even before we were our own independent church, they're like, all right, guys, you need to be on your own financially. We're like, I don't know how that's going to happen. You know, boilers start breaking down. This building isn't exactly, like, high-tech and new, right? So, um, <laughs> put more duct tape on the carpet. It's fine. It's, it's like, whatever. But there's that tendency of going, like, how is this going to happen? Where are we going to have enough and we just seek the Lord and just say, God, you will, you will provide. God, what do you want us to do? God, you will provide. Literally, for the past number of years that we've been on our own financially, there's not been a year where we've not had enough. Now, some years, no, we didn't take it. Maybe we thought we would, but we also didn't spend what we thought we would have to spend that particular. God has always provided for what we needed to provide. And so it always brings us back to God's faithfulness and not going like, all right, we got to just guilt one another into giving and doing this, but just saying, God, it's all yours. And if you call us to do something, we're going to trust that you're going to provide for financially for us to do that. All right, that was a tangent. I'm like, where, where was I? Oh, yeah. It's one of those mornings, you know. Just. Sometimes I think the issue is like, if we want to know what the Father wants us to do with our money, we got to know the Father. Sometimes I think we're just so busy doing the Christian life separated from, from a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes I think we're under the false assumption that God cares maybe about the really big decisions, but the rest he doesn't simply care about. But when I, when I understand that God cares about not just the small things, but, the, but not just the big things, but also the small things, it takes such a weight off of my shoulders. Because, I mean, it, it's such a weight lifted off to know, like, God, I'm not the owner of this stuff. I'm simply a steward. That means ultimately the responsibility is on you. It's not on me. And not just for the big stuff, but for the little stuff is you, for you as well. It's just that weight has been lifted off. So if you want to, to know, okay, what's the Father asking us to do? What's his will? Then you've got to know the Father. And, and the Father tells us how we are to focus and spend our finances. He tells us here in Luke chapter 12. Jump over to verse 29. Luke 29, 12, 29. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Let me pause for a minute. Now I won't have you raise your hand. How many of us get worried about money? 
You can do raise your hand. Okay, that's cool. So I'm gonna, three or four or, or more. Right. <laughs> All of us, at some point, we get worried about money. We get worried. Am I have enough of this or have enough of that? It says, do not worry about these things. It says, for the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Okay, pause for a second. This is crazy. So he uses this imagery in Luke chapter 12 about a servant and a master. He, 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 um, but now he says, he uses the imagery of a father and a child. How many of your kids worry about uh, whether you're going to provide food for them? Even if you have zero dollars as a parent, you find a way to provide food for your children. Your kids don't have to worry about that because they trust you. That's not my job. I'm three. That's your job. Right? God's inviting us into that kind of relationship where he's like, God, you're the good father. You are a great father. So I trust that you are going to provide for absolutely everything that I need. I'm not going to go hungry. I'm not going to lack. I'm not going to go without because you are a good father. And later on, it says in the gospels, like, if we as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our heavenly father give good gifts to us when, when we ask? Like, he will provide those things for us. And he's saying, not that these aren't important. Not that, like, those are real needs, right? Like, oh, what am I going to wear? I, I need food. Is God going to provide these? He says, he's our father. He knows that we need them. And it's going to bring great pleasure for him to, to meet those needs for us. But he's God. He's our father. He'll take care of them. Therefore, we don't need to worry. He says this. Instead, seek his kingdom. His kingdom means his kingship, his domain, his rule, where he's the boss, where what he wants done is done. Seek his kingship. And these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. It's good. Another image of a sheep and a shepherd. Shepherd always takes care of the sheep. Always. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that, that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Here it is again. For where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. He's saying, with your finances, don't be about the things the world is, about building up your own kingdom. How often do we spend our money on things that build up our own kingdom, that make ourselves look good, that we do with what, what we want to do? But the problem is when we do that, then we are filled with so much fear and anxiety when those things are threatened to take away because we're in control and we ultimately have to fight for that control so those things are not taken away from us. So when we are trying to hold tightly to the control of our money, think we're in control of our finances, when that is threatened, what happens? We're filled with fear. And when we're filled with fear, what happens? Self-preservation kicks in and we start to hold tightly and hoard. The kingdom of God is so different. We trust that the Father is in control, He is good, and we pursue what He wants and do what He wants with our finances, then we are able to say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do because you're going to provide for me, even though it's, it may not look the way you want it to look. Sometimes we think, oh, God's provision is like a 12-bedroom house and seven cars. Not always the case. Sometimes there is a, a bad teaching out there that's like, you know, if you... If you Give a lot away, you're going to give that much more even back financially. Sometimes that happens, but oftentimes you're, it's, it's, it's different ways that you're blessed and not financially all the time. But we are to be about God and his kingdom, and, and therefore success in the kingdom is not how much stuff you have, but how much stuff that you give away. And here's the thing. Some of you are in a financial mess right now because you've invested in your own kingdom. 
You've paid for things that you can't afford. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. Therefore, the thought of like, God, I don't even have money. How, how am I going to use it for what you want to do? All my money's tied up in paying off my, my creditors or whatever it may be. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that to condemn you. However, you may want to consider how is it that you can be intentional with your finances, of intentional being on a budget, intentional of getting out of debt so that you even have more and more finances to be used for God's kingdom purposes rather than paying off creditors, right? If that's something for you, like in the fall, we're going to have um, another Dave Ramsey course that may be helpful for you as a practical way to simply get out of debt and saying, God, I want to use my money not just for whatever I want, but for what you want. But here's the thing. Sometimes when I, you hear me say that, it's like, oh, so God doesn't want me to have anything for pleasure. Not true. First Timothy chapter 6 is talking about money. It says God gives us all these things for our pleasure. God wants us to enjoy these things. Some of you have, have nothing. Some of you have some things. If God has given you a car, if God has given you a house, if God's given you an apartment, if God's given you a boat, whatever God's given you, awesome, phenomenal. Give him praise for those things. But here's the thing. If God tells you to give them away or get rid of them, are you willing to do so? Like I found myself... I found myself the other day, I drive a 13-year-old Toyota Camry. Classy, right? Yeah. And I found myself driving that thing the other day with my wife. I turn around and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so grateful for this car. This is awesome. Just the habit of regular thanksgiving and adoration to the Lord recognizes like, this isn't even my car. Look what God's provided. It is so incredible. This is awesome, Lord. But at the same time, thinking in my heart, but if God tells me to give it away, it's gone. But when I have a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude, it reminds me that none of this stuff I have is even mine anyway. So who cares if I give it away? The Lord will provide something else for me. So, all right, let's get practical. I'm running out of time. How do we get practical? How do you intent, how do you be intentional with your finances then? Like what, what does that look like to be intentional with money? If it's all the Lord's, it's just easier to write, write a check. Now, let me tell you, if the Lord tells you to give 10% and where, do that. Walk in obedience. But here's the thing I think that we need to be important, that's important, is to not only be intentional with our finances, but be intentional with our relationship with the Lord. That's why he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we have to be intentional with uh, our heart, with the Lord, and our love and affection for him. But sometimes, we, if we wait till our heart gets lined up before we do what's right, it's, we're never going to do what's right. But sometimes, I don't know, maybe this is like a generational thing, may, maybe not. But like sometimes in older generation, we really uh, appreciate like discipline, discipline, discipline. With your hearts in it or not, who really cares? But discipline, discipline, discipline in something. Which, don't get me wrong, a lot of value in that. But sometimes a younger generation, you've maybe gone the other way and be like, well, if my heart's not in it, I'm not going to do it because that's hypocritical. That's not hypocritical. That's acknowledging. I'm going to do it whether my heart's not in it or not and say, God, I want you to, do with, I want you to fix and, and get my heart right as well. And sometimes we've missed out on the discipline. And so sometimes we just give so willy-nilly without any discipline and intentionality of asking the Lord what he wants you to do with it. So here, here's what I find to be helpful. That you have regular times of asking the Lord what he wants you to do with your finances. That may be spurred on because someone comes and asks for money. Um, like last week, right? Um, Gary is joining the Sidlauskas in Africa. Uh, the Sidlauskas have monthly financial needs that they need help with. Gary has monthly financial needs that he's going to need help with to do mission work in South Africa. They've got uh, needs of about $25,000 to 
uh, by a truck so they can do ministry in remote areas and, and farming villages, a reliable uh, vehicle to take supplies into new villages. They need a new vehicle because six people in a small 1981 uh, vehicle is a little bit difficult. They need a larger van to uh, do ministry around town. They, they have practical needs. But what do you do when you hear those needs? It's like, oh, I should give because I feel, I feel bad. No, you should go take it to the Lord and ask him, God, what do you want me to do? On a regular basis, God, do you want me to give money to Moran Park? If so, how much do you want me to give? A need comes before you. You hear of a family that's in need. God, do you want me to help them? How can I help them? What do you want me to do with it, God? And ask him for specifics. I know this is weird for some of you, but I believe God is incredibly a personal and relational God, and he tells us those particular things. God speaks, yes, absolutely through his, through his word, and nothing can contradict his word, but God is like this, this relational God that's always speaking to us, and I think guiding us in these particular things. So it's not uncommon... Every week, couple weeks, Michelle and I'd be like, hey, we need to be intentional with the Lord. So her and I will get together and pray and go, okay, what are the things we're praying about today? This person's going on this mission trip, Moran Park, this need of this family. And we'll come together and just ask the Lord really specifically, God, should we give financially to this and how much? And we just take notes and we come and say, what did the Lord say to you? Sometimes he gives a specific number. Sometimes he says, wait, the other day we were praying about something and she had a much higher number than I did on something. So we prayed again and the Lord said, be generous. We're like, I guess that means the bigger number. Like I'm telling you, this has been one of the most exciting and joy and life-giving things because it's no longer just the obligatory give the money. It's exciting. It's like, oh, we get to give money. What do you want us to do with your money? Our money, Lord. And sometimes he says, write a big check to this. And now instead of like, fine, we'll do it, Lord. It's a joy because we get to participate in the work of the kingdom together. There is wisdom in setting money aside. There is wisdom in giving regularly and habitually. There is wisdom in if the Lord tells you to give every week to a place, do so. But don't do it simply because it's easier. Do it because that's what the Lord has told you to do. I want to share with you briefly 2 Corinthians 9, 5. When we understand God, like... God's not trying to guilt you into giving money. In fact, there's this bad teaching out there too that says like, if you don't tithe to the Lord, he's going to find a way to get it, any, get, get it anyway, like cause your car to break down or like cause you to give all the money. back. Like, yeah, that's garbage, right? It's not the heart of a loving father. But when you understand there's such freedom that we can be intentional in relationship with our father and using our finances how God wants us to give it, um, then I believe that we can give in, in this particular way. This is him saying, he's collecting money for another church. He says this, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance the gift that you have promised. So that may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Meaning not as like out of guilt or obligation. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up on his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Pause. Like, does that describe us a lot of time in giving? How often do we give out of obligation or guilt or shame or I uh, feel like I should rather than out of joy and excitement and delight that we get to participate in the work that God is doing is an act of celebration for the bountiful blessing that God has given us and an overflow that we can give back to him. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. 
As it is written, he distributed freely and is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed is the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for your sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. One last thought. Well, I say that, then it's usually like three, so maybe one last thought. Um, our finances are definitely an indication of our heart oftentimes, but our finances are an incredible way that we get to invest in a kingdom that will not spoil, fade, or rot away. Like God's given you money. I don't care if it's like hardly any money or a ton of money. God has given you that money so that we could be a steward it to invest in a kingdom that is eternal and a kingdom in his work. And how we know what to do is we have to stay closely connected to the Father. And some of you are filled, when we talk about money, with such anxiety, such fear, such worry. Some of you are delaying obedience to the Father because of a fear of money or lack of provision. When God says go, God says go do this, he will provide because he's called you to do it. Marine Park, may we be a body of people that says, God, this is all yours. My life, my finances, everything I have is yours. What do you want to do with it? Walk freely and joyfully in obedience to what God calls us to do with our finances. I'll tell you, it is a joyful and exciting way to live. Let's pray. God, you know everyone's intimate situation. You, you know what, where they're at financially. You know the worries they have, the, the debt, the, the things. God, I pray for clear steps on what to do next. Sometimes, God, it's so overwhelming. Like, ah, what do I do? That's a nice talking about money. Like, what do I do? God, I pray for clear steps that you speak specifically to each person right now. God, that you would tell them, this is what I want you to do next. God, we thank you that everything you've provided from, for, for us is from you. It is a gift from you. We are not deserving of it. But God, you lavish it upon us because we're your kids. God, give us kingdom eyes to see that what we have is not just about being happy in this life and, and investing in this life, but we get to lay a foundation for the life to come, God. God, I pray for a heart of generosity, that we know your heart as you've been generous towards us, God, in your love and provision, that we would be generous towards one another, that in our midst there would be no one who had lack, there would be no one who had a need, God, because we are so generous with one another. That, God, that as people were being sent out uh, in, in missions, God, that they would not lack because our heart would be so overflowing with generosity. Say, go, this is what the Lord told me to give you. Go, go, that we would be a body of people that continue to hear the testimony and celebrate and praise and thanksgiving of the ways that you've provided and the way people live such open-handedly. God, I pray for those that just are struggling with work and want so desperately to, to work, to be able to give and serve in that, in that way. God, I just pray for provision for job this morning in Jesus' name. God, I, I thank you that you care about the big stuff and you care about the little stuff. God, give us hearts that trust you, God. 
that as you maybe have exposed some things in our hearts this morning regarding uh, that money is exposed in our hearts this morning, we thank you, God, that our hope and our trust is in you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are a father who loves us and gives us what we need. We thank you, God, that while our situation and circumstances and finances change, God, you are unchanging. God, we praise you that you've always been faithful and you will always be faithful. Give us ears to hear, God. God, we thank you that you will provide for the things that you call us to. And we pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.